This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Well, the line of the day on Capitol Hill might be, here we go again. The Senate GOP health care plan may not be dead just quite yet. There is an expectation that Republicans will try and pass a health care bill in the U.S. Senate at least once more before the August recess, and that may come today. But can they do it? It still seems as if there are several holdouts from the Republican side that won't vote for the bill. You may remember that the bill drew drew sharp criticism and reaction when it was first announced just a few days ago. To take a look at the bill and more, we welcome back our friends Bob Town, who's an economic professor at the University of Texas at Austin. He's also a former member of the Wharton Healthcare Management Department, and also by Catherine Hempstead, senior advisor at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Bob, Catherine, as as always, great to have you both back with us. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Catherine, uh, what's your reaction to what we may or may not see today? Well, I mean, I think it's high drama, and the first test will be whether or not there are enough votes for the motion to proceed. And I guess there are some signs over the last 12 hours that they seem a little bit more hopeful that that, that might happen. So. I think there's going to be a lot of attention focused on this approximately 2 o'clock, I guess, this yeah. vote. Bob? Yeah, there's high drama and I think also high insanity. I mean, there's no, there, <laughs> there's not even a, uh, a sense of what the bill that they're going to vote on is, that they're going to go debate, debate on. Yeah. Um, and this is one-sixth of the economy, and there's been very little uh, analysis. There's been no expert uh, testimony. There's been no hearings. It's um, – and – you know, there's no sense of what these bills, um, whatever it is, might uh, what might do to the uh, healthcare economy. So it's kind of crazy. Uh, Susan Collins, who's a senator from Maine, actually mentioned that over the weekend on one of the TV shows that uh, she did not know, at least at that point, what was actually going to be uh, voted on. And, and her suggestion was interesting, and I get your opinion on it. She's looking that at, at this point that maybe this ought to be taken back to committee, looking at a variety of viewpoints, maybe even breaking down health care into several different pieces. What are your thoughts, Bob? Well, I think that would make uh, you know much more sense than you know kind of jerry-rigging some bill to try to figure out how you're going to get, you know, 50 votes and uh, just to debate it uh, without a CBO scored, without any analysis. You know, healthcare is complicated. It has It's a huge part of the economy. It has uh, personal impacts on millions and millions of people. And um, so you have to be very careful, and it's a very complicated system. So it's very easy to screw it up, very hard to get it right. And um, the approach that the Republicans are taking is a recipe for getting it wrong. Catherine? Yeah, I mean, I think she's um, the only one that's really come out and been very critical about sort of the, the process here. And right. I think it's the only um, kind of guaranteed no to vote on this motion. I think, you know, what's really troubling, and I, I completely agree with Bob about just, you know, a real um, dislike for this process is that I think McConnell's able to kind of fan out all the options and get potentially, you know, get people who would in theory be willing to vote for one of those options to vote for the motion to proceed, even though the options are kind of, um, you know, mutually exclusive, like one of them being the straight repeal or the partial repeal and the other one being, you know, some variant of the repeal and replace. And there are people like Rand Paul who, I guess, can potentially be lured to vote for this motion on right. the promise of being able to vote for a straight repeal. 
Although, you know, apparently there's other people who won't vote for the motion because they refuse to be confronted with a straight repeal. So if there's some way that he can sort of, you know, get enough people to have this motion, then I think, as Bob says, we go into this really, really crazy process where I think a lot of amendments can be added and people are going to vote for things where they really don't have the benefit of any kind of independent analysis with, you know, potentially catastrophic consequences. How much How much at this point, Catherine, do you think that the CBO scores actually come into play here? Well, I mean, I think I think they have, you know, very good reason to to have a pretty darn good idea about what the impact would be of all of the all of the options, you know, the the partial repeal and the others. So, I mean, yep. I think there could be some modifications um, on the floor, but I don't think anybody would have any reason to think they're going to make seismic changes. So I think that, you know, on the one hand, people don't know what they're going to be voting for. On the other hand, people know a lot about, you know, how profound the impact of any of the things that are currently under consideration are going to be for the, you know, number of people covered and federal money to states for health care. So in that sense, you know, they they know that the stakes are very high. A repeal without a replace, Bob, when, when would that really start to, to, to take impact? Uh, I think the the current plan is it would uh, take an effect in two years, so they right. would have two years to craft uh, a replacement. Um, the problem with that approach is that it just throws uh, the insurance markets into chaos with the amount of uncertainty that would be injected into the system, because then the insurers have no idea what the rules are going to be in two years. Right. Um, and uh, there would be continued uncertainty about how they're going to fund the cost-sharing uh, subsidies. Um, and I, you know, I think um, that is kind of a recipe for um, even more chaos. Catherine? Yeah, no, I agree. And I, and I do feel like that has been an approach where I, I think that there are not, there are not votes to pass that. I'm going to be very surprised if that's what comes out of this, but I think the, I guess maybe offering the promise of letting people vote for that might induce getting enough people to consider something else. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the partial repeal with, with no replace, I think would have, you know, really enormously destabilizing consequences. What a, what else? I think what is concerning to quite a few Americans right now is the fact that as we get as we move along with this more and more, Catherine, this just seems like it has come down to, and and obviously a lot of people say this is you know what the plan was kind of all along, but this seems more and more now where you have Republicans on Capitol Hill, whether it be the Senate or the House mainly the House, or I should say the Senate, I think, that are just out right now to to kind of erase what President Obama tried to do several years ago. And and it's really not, in many cases, about the health care and, and, and the standards that Americans would have to deal with. It's just about we got to get President Obama. You know, I, I think that's maybe what motivated a lot of this narrative along the years of why, you know, there's been this focus on, you know, repealing Obamacare with, I think, a lot of times people not really even knowing that much about what it even is, but just associating it with President Obama, who, you know, for whatever reasons, you know, really drew the ire of a lot of people. Um, I think as time goes on, I think what a lot of these senators are realizing is that actually the, the kinds of protections and subsidies and regulations that the ACA has created are really pretty popular and seem like more what our, you know, our future is going to 
safety-like and is more consistent with other developed countries and that, you know, is really accepted and, you know, desired by an increasing share of Americans. So in some ways they're kind of, you know, they're kind of now fighting against, I think, our progress and our trajectory. So I I think that, in you know, a good way to think about that maybe is that this process may be kind of just gestural and allow them to sort of finish this, like, narrative arc by casting these votes, even though they're not successful, and then sort of moving on. That's probably <laughs> probably overly optimistic. But yeah. I do think that this, you know, this movement has kind of taken on a life of its own. And now, actually, I don't really feel like the, you know, very many people in the country are really with them anymore. Bob? Yeah, I don't think the Republicans have articulated uh, the problem that they're trying to solve specifically. Like, what's the problem with Obamacare that they want to address? And how would, you know, their various bills address those problems? Um, I think their their um, sales pitch has basically been Obamacare is a disaster yeah. um, without being specific about in what ways it's a disaster. I mean, it's important to, you know, recognize that uh, the ACA expanded health insurance you know, for probably greater than 20 million people. That is, 20 million people have health insurance today that otherwise wouldn't. Um, and we could argue about whether, you know, that expansion was worth the cost um, and how we financed it and those issues. But that's not kind of what's on the table. It's it's Obamacare is is uh, bad and we need to, to yank it, which really is, is from my view, uh, about the redistribution in Obamacare. And I think the Republicans have not been very uh, forthcoming about that's what really is the part of Obamacare they don't like. They don't like the fact that it's taxing uh, wealthy Americans and yeah. redistributing uh, with health insurance to poorer Americans. What would you like to see happen at this point? What would be kind of your uh, your uh, your your panacea, your your perfect world where where healthcare is concerned right now, Bob? Well, I think um, you know I, I think there are issues with Obamacare that can be uh, that should be addressed. I think you know in, a, in an ideal world we'd have a kumbaya moment and Republicans and Democrats would come together, identify those problems, have hearings about potential solutions, um, uh, score those potential solutions, uh, and vote on something and do it in a way that's kind of rational, thoughtful, and cool-headed. Um, but that's not the world we're living in. Catherine. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that um, exactly right. I think some of the things would be to either increase or sort of reshape the subsidies so that you don't have people, you know, at the higher end of the income distribution that are really sort of paying kind of the full the full freight for, um, you know, for a guaranteed issue policy with, with no subsidies. It's a lot. So I think that there there were some losers. And I think while the winners won more than the losers lost, I think we'd all be better off if we could sort of um, you know, remediate to the losers a little bit. And, um, you know, we might do that by increasing subsidies across the board or maybe by reshuffling a little bit. I think a more um, permanent and, you know, sort of on the generous side reinsurance program, probably national, would again allow um, some external sources of funding to, to pay for, you know, a little bit, kind of offset some of the higher claims, which should help to keep premiums down. I think there's you know, there's a lot of agreement on that. Um, the cost-sharing reductions obviously are, um, you know, I think you could redesign things so that you didn't need them, but you would, you know, need some way to, you know, find some other way to um, to make the care of, make the plans affordable for people at that low, low end of the income distribution. You know, as for Medicaid, I mean, I think a lot of people think it would be really great if all 50 states would expand to 100 FPL and then 
you know, the, the population between above 100 could hopefully be sort of accommodated in the individual market with, you know, with generous subsidies, cost-sharing reductions, and plans, and that would create some parity, you know, with states and federal funding and stuff. I think that it's kind of a, you know, we're in kind of a pickle with Medicaid now where 19 states have, you know, just left an enormous amount of federal money on the table. So I definitely think there are things that that we could cooperate on and do that would make, you know, really a lot of people better off. It's just it's just getting the will. Well, and, and part of it is also the fact that, as Bob mentioned, and it's been mentioned almost, it feels like, on a daily basis now, uh, and for some reason it hasn't sunk in, I think, to a degree, unfortunately, with the people uh, on Capitol Hill, is that this is one-sixth of the economy. I mean, this is this is not something that you can play around. You cannot just kind of, you know, put a blindfold on and throw darts at the dartboard. You have to make sure that you get this right. Uh, and if you don't, it's going to be a massive economic problem for this country, Catherine. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, the the it's not the whole healthcare economy that's um, that's under um, discussion here, but it will have huge implications for for the rest of healthcare because it's going to affect hospital finance and and a lot of other things. And I mean, and I do think if they they succeed in passing one of these really draconian bills, it's it's going to be obvious what the impacts are. I mean, I do think that that people will die. There'll be tons of bad debt. There'll be hospitals that close. A lot of really bad things will happen, and I think it will cost a lot of people their seats. And I think that we will realize, like, you know what, the, the ACA was basically that was basically the course that we want to be on, and mm-hmm. that was that was a erroneous detour. And now, you know, I think that this won't be a forever move. In other words, if they do succeed in getting something through, Bob, with what Catherine said and Catherine's suggestions for improving the ACA, I couldn't agree with more. I mean, you know, I think that that's where the debate should be, is kind of you know how to to uh, improve the ACA because I think. You know, going back to the pre-ACA days and the levels of uh, uninsurance, you know, I think would be um, catastrophic from a health reasons, catastrophic for income distribution reasons, and it, it's I don't think the world we would really want to live in. Um, so, and, and further, you know, if the Senate were to go with the just repeal or partial repeal, you know, that's going to tie up the Senate for two years trying to craft a new, you know, a, the replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a, a legislative headache for them I think they would like to avoid. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Your thoughts on the potential vote going on uh, maybe later today in Congress, uh, in the Senate, about uh, health care, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Bob, it plays off something I said a little while ago, but again, you know, I think it needs to be brought up. I mean, we we have taken something which is a very important component uh, of, of what this country is about, and we've turned it into – for lack of a better term, we've turned it into a political mess at this point. And, and that's what's so disappointing uh, about this whole process, the way that, it, that it's, it's kind of played out over the last few months. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Um, you know, it, and I think the reason it's played out this way is that, that I think the Republicans know that this is, an, this is um, not an appealing uh, policy. It's not supported by um, the broad swath of the electric. It's kind of feeding to a relatively narrow um, constituency of the Republican Party. 
And, you know, and as a consequence, you know, they've been um, it's not been there's not been a lot of light shed on what's on the discussion here. There's not a lot, been any debate. There's not been any kind of, you know, hearings where you have experts come in and and speak to the impacts of various proposals. And so and that's very disappointing because I think that's not, you know, how um, democracy is, is taught in fourth grade is, is kind of how we get to, um, you know, perhaps a. a better outcomes as as a democracy. And so, you know, now maybe that's a, you know, a view of the world that's naive and, and never really was um, existed. But right. in some in some place, you know, many bills and, and the ACA in particular was debated for for a long period of time. At the end of the day, it didn't get any Republican support, mm -hmm. but there was plenty of opportunity for Republicans to comment on it and for Democrats to come on it, comment on it and, and experts from all across the political spectrum to, to uh, do their analysis. So there was a lot of debate, and that's just lacking here. Catherine? Yeah, I mean, I think that the thoughtfulness uh, that went into the crafting of the ACA, even though we can see things that didn't work as well as people thought they would, and just the, you know, the intellectual investment that President Obama made and the, you know, the time he spent talking about it substantively and really owning it and and trying to sell it, you know, didn't succeed in selling it to Republicans. You know, compared to this, which is so not about policy and about the merit, and it's just about trying to jam something through, finding the, you know, the right combination that'll spring the lock open and let this thing sail through. It's, you know, it's, there's just no comparison. And I think that, um, you know, I guess, I guess on the one hand, there's this narrative that, hey, you've been campaigning on this for seven years, you've got to make this happen, you yeah. know, or at least like valiantly die trying, you know, you've got to keep going forward with this effort versus I think a growing sense that this these policies are very unpopular these proposed reforms and the process is extremely unpopular so it's you know it's kind of like you know what what uh what stick do you want to get impaled on you know in the long right. run and it's like how much do you really you know need to be a senator and if it's going to cost you your seat to you know not vote for some really horrendous thing is that is that still worth it so i think that there are you know definitely some really really tough decisions but to me it's pretty obvious what the right thing is to do and, for, and, for some of these moderate senators whose states are going to get really really impacted if these things go through and you mentioned the term impaling certainly it seems like if if, if something like that does go forward that's going to happen coming up in a year when we get to the midterm elections. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely in the House, there's, you know, there there will be some, and it's, you know, it's it's hard to imagine that given the the real unpopularity of this, that it wouldn't uh, translate into some electoral outcomes. You know, in the context of an administration that's pretty unpopular for a lot of other reasons. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number to give us a call, Bob. It doesn't seem like it would be too much of a stretch that if by somehow the 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 procedural vote at the uh, later today does go through, that seemingly whatever the bill is that the Republicans are going to go uh, go forward with would pass because if you have enough votes to get it actually onto the floor, seemingly then at that point it feels like you would have enough votes to get something passed. Correct. Well, I don't think so, because okay. one, I think the bill will change as it's on the floor. I think okay. a lot of amendments will be um, will be offered, and you know who knows which will pass. But you know, I think you know, I think the the fundamental problem the Republicans face politically is that I don't know if there is a bill that would please fifty percent or fifty um, senators. Right. Um, I think you know there's. 
if you add um, provisions, um, and I think those have been kind of uh, struck down from the reconciliation pro uh, process, like uh, Planned Parenthood funding um, through Medicaid, you know, if that's not in the bill, I think some Republicans will have a tough time voting for it. If Medicaid um, is is significantly defunded, I think a lot of Republicans would have trouble voting for that bill. So I think it's tough for the Senate to come up with a bill that would get 50 votes just because of the distribution of, of views on what should be in the bill. Catherine? That's the way it seems to me, too. And I think that the only real workaround that, that it seemed like was possible for that was to sort of buy off individually some of the states that were, you know, really kicking it up a little bit, like Louisiana and um, Ohio, West Virginia, whatever. But um, it, it seems like the parliamentarians, by throwing out that provision that would have um, permitted the counties in New York to stop paying um, for, for Medicaid, sort of signaled that state-specific deals were not going to make it. And then I completely agree with Bob. I don't see a path forward because I think that was sort of maybe the only potential was to use some of that extra money, you know, by um, by not repealing the tax to, to try to individually, you know, buy some states. And I, I don't see how they really have a path to 50. But I feel, yeah. you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the fact that McCain is coming to vote makes me sort of feel like his vote is needed and they might get the votes for the motion to proceed. But then I, I, but I certainly could be wrong about that. Well, that, that was going to be that. that was going to be my interesting last point is the fact that here's John McCain, who obviously is going through quite a few medical issues right now, and he is really having to come back to do a vote. And, and I don't think a lot of people know for 100 percent certain which way he's going to fall in this. Catherine? I don't know. I feel like he's gonna. If he's gonna come, he's gonna vote yes because okay. he might as well stay home if he's not gonna vote yes because yeah. that's the same. I mean, I feel like they wouldn't have him come out here to waste his time. So my sinking suspicion is they have the votes. Love to hear what Bob thinks. Bob. Yeah, I mean, I think who knows, it's, be, who knows? The people are, are are kind of guessing. I mean, it's a little bit. Um, it's simultaneously reminiscent of Willis Reed coming back on the basketball court, with a, <laughs> and and uh, Teddy Kennedy, who also had to come back for votes when he was um, with you know ill with brain cancer. So, um, so it's kind of interesting in that way. Yeah, I, you know, I think you know it's. Um, I think John McCain would come back just for the drama of it is interesting. Yeah, and so true, maybe true. that's, you know, and and um, I think he also wants to demonstrate that he is um, vital and and going to be still fighting here. And so I mm -hmm. think that also could be, be playing uh, a role in his coming back. But, you know, who knows? He could be the marginal vote. I, I don't he think we know. He did say, interestingly, that he would, he would sort of follow the directive of his state governor, who has expressed a lot of concern about the Medicaid cuts. In some of the bills, you know what what that translates into in terms of a vote, you know, for a motion to proceed. I don't know. Great to have you both with us again. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Bob. All the best. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, Catherine Hempstead from the Robert Johnson Foundation. Bob Town from the University of Texas at Austin. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.